Welcome to Business Talk Sister Rock. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode title is How to Make an Impact Entrepreneur Style. And this podcast episode series, I'm just going to throw out there, is very, very different than anything I have ever done before. And the reason for that is because I've been working on this for probably over uh, a year now, just trying to put questions together, trying to understand all of these thoughts that I have and coming to some really good interviews, some really great information that's actually not accessible to most business owners that I think is going to be mind-blowing because it was mind-blowing for me to learn about it, to see the actual tangible data, and just to see how it can make a difference in people's lives through entrepreneurship. So thank you for joining me today. This style is going to be more investigative reporting in some ways because a lot of the the interviews that I've had, I'm actually going to put together in little maybe vignettes, maybe um, just a little bit of everything to, to have you listen in on what some employers are doing and how they've they've really cracked the code of making impact in people's lives and in ways that you would never think are out there. Now, I'm going to just give you a little background on where this journey started for me. About, um, I would say, in 2018, actually, shortly after I, I started my own business, I was heavily involved in the construction industry. And when I started talking to people within construction, obviously, there was this huge labor shortage that we're still seeing today. And I was asking business owners, well, how can you grow your business? How can you grow? What are you doing now? And, and the biggest feedback I got from people was, we can't grow if we don't have labor. And there's no point in advertising. There's no point in trying to get new customers if we don't have people to do the work. So we're just going to stay the way we are until we can find the labor force. And I think that that's something that many business owners today can identify with. They don't want to keep growing if there's no employees to take on the work especially if they want to do quality customer service. And, and this is an issue. So where is the workforce and what's going on? Well, as I started digging into this issue, what, what's going on? How can we reduce turnover? Why are people having problems maintaining employment? And I started learning so much about adverse childhood experiences, trauma, and PTSD, and, and quite honestly, I'm going to probably get a lot more into disabilities as well in this series because there's so much that business owners have never been told about these categories that can be so incredibly valuable that can change people's lives as well as your own life in your perspective as a business owner. Now, the CDC recognizes adverse childhood experiences. They call them ACEs, A-C-E. Uh, S. They're potentially traumatic events that occur during childhood. ACEs can include violence, abuse, and growing up in a family with a mental health or substance use problems. Toxic stress from ACEs can change brain development and affect how the body responds to tr- stress. And ACEs are linked to chronic health problems, mental illness, and substance abuse in adulthood. And it the statistics are pretty clear. It's like 60% of the U.S. workforce has ACEs. And that's a lot of people. 
And if if we were to reduce this, it's it's literally just even just from the CDC, we could prevent up to 21 million cases of depression, 1.9 million cases of heart disease, and 2.5 million cases of overweight uh, obesity. And and that just by itself is really interesting to me. And here's why. If over 60% of adults have at least had one adverse childhood experience, that means that there's a lot of things going on in terms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And what really started me off in this, in this area of trying to understand it is actually a conversation I had with a generational researcher in my Gen Z series that we had um, named Hayden Shaw. And one of the things that he said very specifically about Gen Z that we're going to see as a transition within the United States workforce and as kids go to college and everything is that Gen Z is going to take their mental health seriously. And and what that looks like is far more flexibility with uh, employment because you need it in order to take your mental health seriously. But what if what if employers were trauma-informed? What if we knew how to make sure we were caring for people's mental health? Would that increase uh, loyalty within a business and lower turnover? Well, some of the really interesting things that I've found as I've been talking to business owners is it's true on all different levels. And actually, there was an economic development agency in Wisconsin that started doing trauma-informed training with their staff. And they actually found that they were saving um, over $13,000 a year in new employee onboarding because they were able to keep people that felt it was safe and okay to take mental health days. And all of these interesting things were reducing that training time and and all of that to maintain the same labor force, knowing that people truly feel cared for. And wow, I'm just going to say my first guest is somebody who works for an organization named Hope Works. And I want you to just soak in what they're doing, especially with the underprivileged youth population and and what success they're seeing with it, because I think that that's the first place we should start. And then we need to expand expand and shine a light on what's actually happening within other people's home lives and things going on outside of the workplace that actually impact people's ability to maintain a job and be successful in helping a business owner grow. So if you're excited for this podcast journey with me, I it's something that's near and dear to my heart, and I want you to be a part of it as well. Stick around for this series. So my name is Jace Elam, um, and I founded Nebulous Healing. So um, in 2020, um, I had finished working with a mental health clinic for uh, teens and young adults. And I, I really decided that as a, I'm working as a peer support specialist. Um, so basically, I was providing services as a person with lived experience um, mm-hmm. and helping teens and young adults really understand what it means because this was a, an early intervention program. So they were brand new to the experiences of, of having these mental health challenges. And so helping them to really understand like what it means that now that they're having these experiences and like, it doesn't mean that their life is over. They're still going to be able to go to college and do all the great stuff that they want to do. So peer support um, is essentially just people with lived experience um, with mental health issues, helping other people that have mental health issues. Um, So I was working previously with teens and young, young adults with psychosis um, who were new to that experience and helping them to navigate what it's like to, to now have to take medication while going to school um, mm. and working and, do, and and transitioning into adulthood and what that feels like. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, because I start, so I started Nebulous Healing in 2020, um, which was the best time to start a, oh, yeah. <laughs> I literally started, <laughs> I start and I'm working calendar year. So I started in January um, and then a pandemic broke out. And I was like, wow, I really need to pay bills. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I've actually um, started working. I've been, I'm not really necessarily working full time with Nebulous. Um, Nebulous has been something that I've had to do um, as more of a, of a passion project for a bit now. But the work that I'm doing um, full-time is um, with HopeWorks in Camden and teaching about what trauma-informed practices are. So I do that as part of a team. Um, I, I lead a team of interns in, in talking to businesses and organizations about trauma-informed care and how to implement those practices. And okay. Like so as you are seeing both sides and managing this team over for HopeWorks, um, what have you been learning that you've been able to then reteach to businesses? So it's really, really interesting um, because these two things really tie in so well together um, because I started Nebulous Healing because I felt like uh, people really weren't understanding what trauma-informed care is and what it's supposed to be. I think there's a lot of clinicians that are um, operating as if they're practicing trauma-informed care, but they're not. Um, and then through the process of, of working with HopeWorks, I learned that, um, it's a little bit of that, but it's also a little bit of, they've never even heard of trauma-informed care, which is terrifying. (laughs) It's absolutely terrifying to me that therapists and psychiatrists don't know what trauma-informed care is. Um, so I get to introduce the concept to people, um, and help them really understand it and process it. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So give me an example of how you start that conversation typically to just educate others on um, what, what is being trauma-informed? We're introducing them to like brain science to help them understand how stress works um, in someone's brain. Mm-hmm. And then, and then once they're processing how stress works on a person's brain, we're like, okay, now this is what it's like if you're a child. Okay. This is what it's like if you are a child and you're experiencing trauma at home. Um, because that changes everything. That really changes the way that we're in um, taking information. It really changes the way that we're retaining that information and the way that we're able to use it and recall it when we need it. Um, mm-hmm. The way that we're able to function in a classroom, um, things like that. And the way that we respond to to feedback, right? Because if, if you think that you're going to get hit um, for every little thing that you do wrong, the moment when you're in class and someone tells you that you're doing something wrong, you might blow up because you might be expecting physical hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting to watch that with people and to get the feedback of like, wow, this is so great. This is so incredible. And I'm like, this isn't obvious for people. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for me, I'm like, I'm thinking like, wow, I didn't realize we were teaching such groundbreaking revolutionary stuff, but people really don't think about these things and people really don't have access to these things this is the opposite of what everybody's been taught all their lives um, mm-hmm. so it's really it's really powerful to, to watch that people make that shit so people tend to give great feedback or whatever but sometimes you're like okay is it really good feedback or is it just you're like okay this was great you put fives on everything because you want us to feel good about it um but then we'll come back for more stuff later on because we we created um the self-care workshop and people are like, no, this really has impacted the way that I I work with people. And it's changed the way, like learning about trauma in the way that we do, um, 
it's helped them to learn how to connect with their students, but then they realized so much more about their students and then they needed that self-care aspect because they were put, expending so much emotional energy into their students. They're like, no, I really am invested now. They yeah. really, it makes them care a lot more. Um, so we were giving them self-care and safety planning workshops to talk about like, okay, here's how you take care of you. So from what I understand about Hope Work so far, is that, is it an, an apprenticeship program? Yes. Or yes. Okay. So yeah. Hope Works does uh, some workforce development. So essentially the mission of Hope Works is to end poverty. And right. the way that Hope Works is aiming to do that is by providing um, young professionals with access to job training so that they can learn actual skills. So the training program starts off with uh, computer, basic computer skills, and then HTML, CSS, coding, and all that good stuff, creating websites and doing GIS stuff and giving like a real, real technical hands-on training, um, but they're paid for that training. Um, and then transition from that training into internships in one of our three enterprise businesses. So there's the web team that makes websites, uh, the GIS team that does like uh, this geographic information system. So they make maps and do all these robust things for um, the water department and all sorts mm. of other clients and really interesting things. And then there's a youth healing team, which I am the team lead for. Um, yeah. So I actually was introduced to HopeWorks. I joined HopeWorks as a trainee and um, went through that process before becoming a staff member. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which gives you a lot of experience in understanding the whole program for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really, it's really, um, it's been a really fun journey for me because I didn't know that the youth healing team was a part of HopeWorks. I had never I, had, I didn't know anything about it. I actually joined because I wanted more coding skills to make the website for Nebulous Healing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I joined because I wanted to expand my website. And I was like, oh, this is a thing that you do. I actually have training in this. I've been doing this for seven years. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's really cool that that all came together. My question is, what techniques have you learned now that you're managing other people who are going through this healing process, as well as learning job skills um, that has made you successful in managing them? Oh, I'm, it's, <laughs> it's really funny that you asked this question because I'm constantly learning new things. Um, Aren't we and, all? <laughs> <laughs> um, because my, my interns are constantly presenting me with brand new challenges. <laughs> um, uh, okay. And it's, it's, it's lovely. It's really lovely. Um, but I, I think that the skill um, that's the most important to, to keep in mind is to remember that people are people. Um, so even if they are, you know, the people that you're supervising, um, they are still human beings and mm. talking to people like they're human beings goes a long, long way. Sometimes I, I've, I've actually had to do supervision and I could see that the person in front of me was not, you know, where I needed them to be. They weren't present. They weren't in that moment. Mm. And I, I kind of take my, my supervisor head off for a moment. And, and I put on my person hat, right? And I'm like, okay, I can see that you are not present. Let's talk about what's going on here. And I, I, I kind of take away, what is our supervision supposed to look like right now? And, and let me figure out what do you need in this moment? And, and I can fill in the rest of that later. Um, Cause that's kind of been, that's actually been a thing that came up recently where 
I was having supervision with someone who was just very much not there. Like they were dissociating really hard to the point where I'm asking them questions and they are literally parroting those questions back to me. Mm. Like they literally are like, I'm like, so how are you feeling today? They're like, how am I feeling today? I'm like, are you good? They're like, good. I'm like, okay, this is not working. Mm. So I'm like, okay, we're going to take a minute and just step away from that. And they're like, oh, but the questions, we got to do those questions. I'm like, the questions, I can fill them in myself and like figure it out. Um, you being you is, is more important and making sure that you're happy and you're healthy is okay. Um, so mm. I think making sure that people are people and remembering that people are people, um, but also letting that person know that you see them as a person. Um, I am constantly telling my interns, like, you are more than your productivity. Your productivity is great. And I love the work that you do, but I need to make sure that you're still a person, that you're still holding it together. You can't just be productivity in a suit. Like, I need you to, to exist as a human being because that's what we are. We're human beings. It, it also really helps that our supervision framework at Hope Works. Um, so everybody essentially has the same general framework, but it, it incorporates a lot of questions that are different from, from supervision frameworks at other places. We actually talk about self-care in our supervision framework. That's for all interns, all staff, mm. everybody. You have to ask everybody about what your self-care is looking like to make sure that people are doing well. Um, asking people about you know any trauma triggers or anything that's been going on in the office to make sure that we're... we're taking note of that, that we're being mindful of how we're, we're treating people. And if there are, even if there's minute things that are upsetting for people or that are, you know, re-traumatizing people, we need to make sure that we're mindful of that. So again, we're teaching people how to, how to work and how to hold the job. So I want to make sure like, okay, what you're doing here is great, but I want to know, what do you want to do after this? How do I get you to where you need to be? Um, and that's, it's really important for me. Sometimes I'll, I'll stop doing the framework and I'll pull out a wellness recovery action plan and I'll say, Hey, start filling this out. Start, start thinking about what are your triggers? What's, what are the things that are putting you in whatever this place is that you are right now? Um, and then let's work on that action plan part of how do we get you out of it? Because hmm. uh, yeah. one thing that I don't like is to just be like, oh, you're you're in a bad mood right now. Let's um let's let's figure out how we can get you back to work. Like that's not that's not the goal for me. The goal is not back to work. The goal for me is thriving. I want to see you thriving and happy and healthy. Yeah, and it definitely sounds like there's like a culture of patience with that, where it's okay, and you don't feel that pressure yourself to say you must be more productive. It's like yeah. no, we can value all of your life as equally important. And, and I think that that's really rare actually, and really good insight into uh, what, what you all are doing there for sure. Yeah. So let me ask you then, my next question would be when someone is starting a new position, are there specific recommendations that you give them to help them be successful? Um, so for people that are the interns that are leaving my, my, um, team, I, the, the advice that I give them is to always be mindful of their surroundings and to kind of watch before they engage. Mm. Um, cause a lot of our, our culture is going to be different from the culture of, you know, um, a hospital, um, which is going to then be different from the culture of like a Catholic services organization. That's always like, what are, what are people's boundaries there? Um, what are people's expectations? What is, what does the social, the, the social environment look like there and, and letting them kind of take the lead from other people, not necessarily to copy what they're doing, but just to be mindful of like, what are some of the expectations here? And, mm -hmm. and how can I, how can I make sure that I'm not being 
being too hard on myself for one, because a lot of the time we, we put these strict limitations on like, this is what professionalism is. And I need to wear these really tight, uncomfortable shoes every day. Um, when really you, you get there and your boss is wearing cargo shorts and sneakers. Absolutely. Yeah. So for the interns or for people who are joining the team, the Mm -hmm. advice that I have for them, um, I I'm an, I'm an open person and I'm, I'm pretty accepting of pretty much anybody, honestly. So I'll, I'll tell people, you know, be you, I want to know who you are as a person. Um, so just, just come into the team, be you, if, if you get out of hand, I'll let you know, <laughs> but I want to know, I want to know what I'm working with before I start trying to, to tell you what you should be doing or how you should be behaving. I want to know what you look like as a person before I start to kind of have you, I don't want, I don't want people policing themselves before I get the chance to really mm. say, Hey, there's, there's nothing to police here. That's a really helpful tip just in general when you have a new person join your team. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me what resources have you found that have been the most helpful as you've um, gotten your business going and all that kind of stuff getting off the ground? Oh, I absolutely have been loving um, Zoho because it's, they basically have like a, a platform of it's like the Google suite stuff, but every, pretty much everything is free or has like a version of it. That's like super, um, I've never like even heard big, of this. Yeah. It takes out all of the like shenanigans, but it's like still, it, it makes it still free or whatever. Like I use that for my email stuff. I use it for pretty much everything. Like it's, it's all free stuff. And I didn't, cause the, the one thing that I didn't want to do is spend a ton of money, um, trying to get a business off the ground. Um, especially yeah. because I didn't have any other income at the time. So I wanted to see like, okay, can I make this work with limited resources? If I can make this work with like chewing gum and a paperclip, then it, then that means it can work. <laughs> I don't want to put a ton of resources into something without knowing if I could handle it or if I'd be able to do it. Um, Cause if I can't handle it without having anything put into it, then how am I going to handle it once I put my life savings into it? Yeah, so that was definitely a huge resource for me. Yeah. And can you spell that for me? Yeah, it's Z-O-H-O. Okay. Um, yeah. So they do like booking platforms, um, email platforms, client management. Yeah. It has like a huge like business suite of a lot of different services and stuff like that. It's really great. For the gawk portion of this episode today, I'm going to start asking more questions. How can I dig into this further? And what does it look like? And here's what I want to point out about this episode. You might be wondering, how do I create a culture like HopeWorks or Nebulous Healing? You might be thinking, that's great, but I have a small business with small margins. I don't think I could afford to do this. Now, I totally understand this question because these are the things that I have been thinking through. What does that look like for an entrepreneur to truly have employment impact in situations like this. I think it's important to understand that first, HopeWorks has a program that has this baked into helping people get to the next stage. That they have this figured out on purpose to be the segue to longer term employment for people with adverse childhood experiences. But what was discussed today cannot go unnoticed. If you can create space for people to be valued as human beings and not just for their productivity, 
And the fact that there's a documented in writing process to trying to make an action plan to work through issues, that's so key to accountability. And as an employer, there are things that you will probably need to commit to to help a person like this be successful. However, that doesn't mean that it's impossible. And I have more questions, right? Are there business owners out there doing this? Does it look different if you're not using a program with this baked in? How can it be successful? And what are the actual numbers? Well, next week, I'm gonna be joined by another guest who has some pretty incredible data on this, and I'm super excited to get into it more. So stick around. <laughs>